Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the I Am Podcast. I am so excited for today because we have an amazing guest here with us, Dr. Lori Johnson, and because we're talking about a topic that I know is so important to start conversations around. Today's episode is called I Am Thriving. We are going to be talking about how to continue to thrive and heal in your life even when you're going through infertility and the stress and the trauma that that can bring. I have Dr. Lori Johnson here with me who is a licensed marriage and family therapist and coach in private practice with more than 25 years of experience as a clinician educator, and clinical supervisor. Specializing in women's mental health and reproductive health, Dr. Johnson helps her clients overcome the emotional challenges that come with infertility, including pregnancy loss and emotional trauma. She also helps couples who have become divided by their fertility journey strengthen their connection. Dr. Johnson is a clinical fellow of the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy and has served on its state and national boards. She lives in Hermosa Beach, California with her husband and toy poodle. In her spare time, she enjoys salsa dancing, traveling, reading, and riding her motorcycle. Welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Johnson. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's really a pleasure to be here. I, I love the, the, the I am theme that you have for your podcast, and I'm excited to kind of share a little bit more about what I do with your audience. When I found you, I found you through Instagram and I found you a few weeks ago. And as I started reading through all of the information and tools that you are giving women online, I was just blown away by your knowledge, by your perspective, by all the resources that you have. And the second I found you, I was like, oh my gosh, if we can get her to come and talk to our community this is going to be something that helps so many women. So I'm just so thrilled that you're here right now. I want to start this conversation off with something that I love that you differentiate between um, with infertility and with that journey is the difference between infertility stress and infertility trauma. I know that so many women who are going through infertility and the emotional stress and trauma that that 
brings, it's really, really heavy. And I think when you're in something like that for so long, you can kind of get discombobulated and trying to manage and figure out your emotions and and what it is that you're feeling and why you're feeling it and then how to help it can get really convoluted. And so I would love to start the conversation off by you helping us understand what the differences are between experiencing infertility stress and infertility trauma and what that means. Absolutely. I'd be happy to, because I feel like these definitions have been evolving over time, just as much as the field of reproductive medicine has been evolving. And when I first started working in the field, um, I don't think that this was infertility trauma was really on the radar, so to speak. But um, to answer your question, um, signs of infertility stress can look like many things, but namely what I look for is you know, irritability, um, is someone having difficulty sleeping? Are there feelings of sadness, anger, guilt, and shame that are so pervasive? Um, are you having, is someone having difficulty concentrating? And where are the, where's this person's energy level? Um, you know, are they suddenly feeling, or not subtly, but just gradually feeling more tired over time? Um, you know, are people finding themselves eating too much or, or drinking too much? And um, are you thinking about your fertility issues constantly? Um, we all know that we kind of devolve into checking Google when we start to learn about our symptoms and that can become its own rabbit hole that I think creates stress. Um, also, I think infertility stress can manifest in terms of feeling distant from one's partner. And also, you know, the, the financial stress that goes along with the infertility process. There were a number of years that treatments weren't covered by insurance and slowly as the industry is changing and recognizing infertility as an actual medical diagnosis, which I want to thank all of our advocates who've you know worked tirelessly to make it happen that's changed the financial picture for for some individuals but you know there's still there's still a lot of out-of-pocket costs that go along with this journey that you know present a certain amount of stress and so those are some of the signs that i look for in particular with infertility stress now, infertility trauma might look similarly. So we'll see the, the irritability, the difficulty sleeping, the you know feelings of sadness, anger, guilt, and, and shame. You know, this difficulty with concentrating mm -hmm. or maybe spacing out a bit, decrease in energy, this emotional kind of numbness. But where I feel like it starts to differentiate from the stress and veer off more into the trauma per se is when we start to notice changes in our physiolo physiological uh, kind of state, meaning breathing changes. We might have racing heart, a racing heart, or we might experience temperature changes in response to the trigger. And we also start to see people who might be like easily startled or develop this sensitivity to sight and sounds and smells and tastes. So, so there's a depth with these symptoms that I think happens with, that's, that classifies these symptoms more as traumatic per se versus just infertility stress. I think that understanding that and everything you just said is so important which is why I wanted to start the conversation there because I think for a lot of, of women, we can go through these things in our lives like infertility or loss and we start 
feeling these emotions and we wonder if it's normal or we don't have the right language to understand what's happening inside of us. And so then we just can start feeling really isolated and alone and wonder if something's wrong or what might be wrong with us. But in reality, there is language and there are words to the feelings that a lot of women are feeling. And that's where this infertility stress and infertility trauma comes in. Is there something that you tell your clients or that you would like to tell the listeners for those who are listening, who have been wondering, is it normal for me to feel this way? Is there something wrong with me that I feel this way? What can you uh, tell them to speak a little bit into that? Yes. So first of all, I'd like to say that whatever you're feeling is normal for you. The thing that we know about infertility is that it's isolating. And, you know, and even though I've represented probably the, the most common symptoms, there might be some other ways that this manifests for other people too. And which is why it's important to, you know, talk with a professional about that. But what I'm really think is most important is to honor what your experience has been and to honor how hard it's been for, for you and, and not compare your journey to, to someone else's. And, and, and that's really what I think is, is, is important. You know, these feelings are intense. Um, nobody imagines that they're going to have infertility issues or the steps that they're going to need to take to address them. And so when you have that reality coupled with the, 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 the lack of communication about this in the larger community, and that it might seem like, you know, other people are growing their families as easily as they want to be. Um, and that, that dynamic sets up this, 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 pattern where you you feel distant and disconnected and so you don't and you, then you don't have a lot of support and as you're starting to get more support and reaching out to you know for various resources or listening to podcasts such as yours it's important to know that your experience is unique and it is real it's very valid and once we know how this is impacting you then it gives you gives an, gives us an opportunity to help strategize a plan that is unique to you as well I love that, what you just said of whatever you're feeling is normal for you. That is such an empowering statement. For, for you who are, are listening, I just want you to soak in every word that she just said about that and, and really give yourself permission to feel however it is you're feeling. I think that when we can acknowledge those feelings, it gives us a starting place of, okay, what does that next step then look like for me if I feel this way or I'm noticing that I do have infertility trauma and that's normal for me to be feeling this, where do I go next? And getting really honest with ourselves and, our, and allowing ourselves to honor the feelings that we're having is so empowering. So if once a woman realizes that they are going through infertility stress or infertility trauma, what do those next steps, what are some really practical things that they can do to take next steps to help them not just survive through those feelings, but to really thrive in their lives while experiencing those feelings? 
So I think in terms of, you know, the action steps that really I think can be helpful, you know, there, I, I think it's important to get, get back to the basics, things that we, we know work. I'm just going to say it again anyway. You know, we know that having structure in our day is, is important. So waking up at the same time, going to sleep at the same time, eating, you know, regularly scheduled meals are, are important because there's a sense of predictability in that that can be comforting in times of uncertainty. Eating balanced meals, refraining from like eating, you know, too much or, or drinking too much, if at all, just because again, it's, it's about creating a sense of balance and harmony in your, in your body. And Exercise is important because of the endorphins that it helps your body produce. And so when you're having a lot of stress or irritability, you know, ex exercise actually serves as almost like a pressure release valve to let some of that out. But meanwhile, giving you a boost or infusion of these happy chemicals to kind of balance out some of the, 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 the unhappy ones, <laughs> the you know, feelings that yeah. might be resonating. Um, and another practice that I think is really important is meditation or prayer, which can mm -hmm. be very similar for people because I feel like it's like exercise for your mind. Um, yeah, I see clients all the time who are like, you know, Dr. J, I I, I exercise, I'm good, you know, but I'm like, are you praying? Are you meditating? And, and I use both of those words because they resonate differently for people, but they both, I think, do the same thing. And that is really helping relax the mind. Um, their research shows us that meditating or praying for 15, excuse me, 15 minutes a day over like, I think it was a six month period, if I'm not mistaken, produces the same effect as if someone were to take medication. So it's one of the least utilized tools in stress management, but probably one of the the most effective and sustainable over long term. So I think it's important for people to recognize that as well. And it's a practice that needs to get nurtured over time. I also recommend working with a fertility coach if you're feeling infertility stress because, you know, having someone hold space for you while you are going through all of this uncertainty is, is, is invaluable. And there's so many great coaches out there who are, are you know, are doing great things to, to encourage their, their clients as well. But, you know, in addition to, to that, you know, considering other other alternatives like acupuncture or body work like massage is, is helpful to, again, signal to your body that, you know what, it's okay to relax. And I think those modalities are, are wonderful in, in their own right. Now, if someone is specifically dealing with traumatic symptoms, I think it's best to see someone who is, uh, is a trained mental health professional because there are therapists who are trained in trauma modalities that are rooted in science to help people reprocess you know, traumatic memories. And there are a few out there like EMDR. I am an EMDR therapist, but there's- Oh, are you? Yes, yes. I do. I've been doing that for years and I love it so much. I talk about it often. I didn't realize that. That's really cool. Yes, you know, and it's something that I, you know, my relationship with EMGR, I was introduced to it very early on in my career when Dr. Shapiro first started talking about it. And I'm dating myself a little bit, but <laughs> But at the time it was, you know, it was really new and we were like, what are you talking about? All of this eye movement stuff, it doesn't really make sense. And, you know, and I'm a scientific gal or I was a scientific gal at that heart and it wasn't really all about the woo-woo and that felt really woo-woo in a way. <laughs> 
<laughs> and here we are, you know, like 15 years later, and I'm like, okay, and I, you know, I realized it was time. Um, we had the longitudinal data, we, we had the neuroscience data coming to that really helped solidify that there are ways to help people reprocess traumatic memories. So you have EMDR or brain spotting, which is another fabulous, um, you know, modality. Yes. Yes. And then, um, and, but just as long as it's, you know, trauma informed, because again, there are ways that trauma can manifest physiologically that goes a little bit deeper than what we can piece together, you know, with our own resources online or just working with, you know, a coach who isn't trained in mental health. Uh, trauma practices. But I think the steps are to treat infertility, stress, and trauma are very similar, but you know, the, the area about who to work with, I think, is where I would differ in terms of what makes sense for the individual. Hey, I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Peanut. The Peanut app helps you meet like-minded women who are trying to conceive. Peanut provides a safe space for women trying to conceive to build friendships, ask questions, and find support. It even introduces you to women nearby who are at a similar stage in their journey. Peanut provides access to a community of women who are there to listen, share information, and offer valuable advice. Whether it's understanding IVF, PICOS, or miscarriage, Peanut is a place to connect with women who understand. It's been an app that has been such a lifeline for me this year, being able to be in a community of women who are also in the same place as I am in their journey building their family. You can download the app for free today. Just head to peanut.app.link slash I am or head to the app store and find the peanut app there. Now back to our episode. Thank you. That's such a really good guideline and guidance to to start trying to understand. It's really interesting because as I'm hearing you say what you should be doing for infertility trauma, or not should be, but what you could be doing for infertility trauma and stress, this isn't a journey that I've been on, but I have been on the loss journey and the pregnancy loss journey and the child loss journey and that stress and that trauma and what you're saying is so similar and what's really cool is that there are so many universal tools out there but in the beginning if if you're on that first step down the path of loss or of this trauma or infertility, it feels really overwhelming in the beginning because there's so many big emotions that are so valid that you're feeling. I remember just thinking like, where do I even go from here? How do I possibly start on burying myself? Because I feel like I am carrying the weight of the world and it feels exhausting to even start (laughs) even just thinking about what in the world I should or could be doing to help myself right now. And so I love how you just gave so many tools and then to differentiate between stress and trauma is really being able to choose wisely who you're working with. And if it's trauma that that you're needing support in right now is finding someone who is trained specifically in trauma like you just broke it down so easy. I wish I would have 
<laughs> I wish I would have had this, you know, however many years ago. Because in my mind, you just made something click that I was like, wow, it doesn't like our feelings feel complicated, but getting help doesn't have to be as complicated as we make it feel to ourselves. So that was really good. Okay, so those were really powerful starting places for ourselves. Now, what do you say are some of the most powerful things that we can do to stay connected to our spouse during these times that are really, really stressful? Because in our loss with me and my husband, grieving by yourself and going through the stress and trauma like on your own is hard enough. And then you add in another human who's also human, who you want to support you, but who also needs support and who you want to grieve with you, but they also grieve differently. And it creates a really hard dynamic sometimes because both of you are doing your best in a really unknown situation. And for us in the beginning, that kind of drove a a wedge between how connected we felt because we were both just so trying to to just take a breath of our own air. So where would you tell couples to start to help their relationships continue to thrive during the stress and trauma of infertility? So first of all, I'm so sorry for your loss. And you know, and I can only imagine what that was like for, for you and, and your your spouse. And you know, and you're right, there are differences in how you know loss impacts you know each person in the couple. And it impacts you individually, it impacts you relationally. And those differences in coping are, I think, can be really challenging. And I think first and foremost, it's recognizing that you do have different styles for coping. Mm. And intellectually, we we get that, right? But it's more about how that comes out emotionally. Because when we're, we're having a... Yes. <laughs> you know, our rational brain isn't always online, so to speak. And so we're leading with emotion. And, you know, so it can be hard to stay connected to that. But, you know, have some grace, you know, for yourselves and in, in, in recognizing that and being able to, cre- you know, create that connection. Because I think once you understand that, you know, there are differences and, and internalize that understanding, it gives you more space. And I just, I use that term very purposefully because we need space to process. We need space for our feelings. We need space for our our, our spouse's feelings. And then there's space for us to kind of work on that together. So I think it's important, you know, to do a number of things, like I said, to focus on your relationship and nurture that through, uh, you know, the IVF process, the fertility process, or a grief process. And, and that is actually having dedicated time that you set aside to talk about what is, you know, difficult. And the reason why I think it's good to have dedicated time is because if one of you like might have this aversion to talk about talking about things and the other person might want to talk about things ad nauseum, you know, the timing factor can be tricky and, you know, agreeing on a time, you know, I can kind of cut through that as much as possible. So, at least the person who might need to talk about the issue more knows that there's going to be protected time to do that. And meanwhile, the person who might be like, oh my gosh, here we go. Oh, I'm not ready. But you know what? It gives them a little bit more time to prepare. So that I think is helpful. And then within that time, you can 
communicate about your, your, your individual needs, about how you manage stress and, and coming up with a, an action plan. And you might be able to talk about those, not just individual needs, but what might be the needs of your, of your relationship too, because sometimes they might be different. I also tell my, my clients, please, please, please do not judge your reactivity if your partner feels differently than you. Mm, that's good. Yeah. And that goes back to appreciating the differences in styles. It's also important as much as I say, you know, find time, dedicated time to talk about the hard stuff, make sure you are flooding your relationship with the fun stuff because you need more of that. And sometimes people feel so guilty, like, oh my gosh, all this, you know, bad stuff is happening and this loss, it's just so heavy. Am I allowed to feel happy during this time? And, and I say, you know, yes, it might feel like happy, sad, <laughs> you know, this fusion, yes. weird feelings. And you get used to navigating that, especially in the grief community. Um, you, you, you know, it's that weird juxtaposition of, you know, the sadness is always there and there's a little bit more space for the happiness and you just kind of dip your toe or your foot or your leg and step further into that space and you're like, oh, this feels good. And, and sometimes you might be like, oh boy, but is it okay? And yeah, it is okay. So, so, so don't judge that. And you, you, you need that time outside of the heaviness and your relationship needs that time most importantly outside the heaviness. I also think it's important to have couples who are supportive of your journey to. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. So that social support is invaluable when you are going through this process and, you know, of, of fertility and grief. And then most importantly, don't, you know, don't rule out, you know, seeking professional help if you need to, because it's also about holding space and, you know, and having someone hold space for you and, and your relationship can actually help take out some of the stress and give you all more, again, space to work through just some, you know, some bumps in the road and staying connected to what makes you the team that you are. So that's what I would recommend. Those are, those are so, those are so awesome. I, I love that you also brought up like really just having fun because when you're in the middle of trauma, when you're in the middle of hard stuff and maybe part of your journey right now is you have appointment after appointment or shot after shot or all of these things that you just have to be doing that are not fun. It's hard to remember that you can still have fun. And my husband and I, in the beginning of our loss, like it's, we truly forgot how to have fun. And so we would have to schedule, like schedule fun time that we were going to go do something. We were going to get out of the house. We were going to go do this, go have a date. We had to schedule it so that it could become something that felt more normal again. And at first it was really uncomfortable (laughs) and now we don't have to schedule fun time anymore. It just can be a natural part of our life. But I love that you brought that up because it some of those things that once just felt so natural and normal during the beginning part of the relationship kind of can start losing what they once were and then recognizing that it's still okay to have that. It's, that was a life saver for our marriage. Yes, I'm so glad that that worked out for you guys. And so, yes, doctor's orders, have fun. 
<laughs> doctor's orders. You heard it. You heard it here. Dr. Johnson is telling you to go have fun. So that's, I mean, that's it. Something else that I really love that I've seen you talk about is envy. And I would love to talk about that because I saw you said envy is a normal part of the journey. It needs to be validated and not shamed. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that? Yes. So let's face it. When you are going through the fertility journey or, you know, just significant losses, you feel envious. It's, you know, it's a human emotion. You see that other people are growing their families without seemingly without any kind of difficulty. Um, I know I've, you know, talked with, you know, numerous women who talk about their friends or family members who just seem to be getting pregnant, just like when they think of, whenever they think about it. And, um, and we will see the jokes on social media or the memes about how easily couples are, you know, growing their families. And so when that isn't happening for you, it's like it, it registers, you, you're already feeling different because it hasn't happened. And then when you're seeing it happen so easily for others, it's so, it, you know, that's when you can start to feel those really intense feelings of envy. But also what we learn about that growing up is, you know, don't, don't do that. That's not nice. Or, you know, um, and, um, you know, you shouldn't be, you know, thinking about what other people have, you need to be happy for them. And so we start getting shitted on, which means like, you know, people are telling yeah. you yeah, we should or should not feel. And that only actually intensifies the, the difficult feeling. So I'm all about let's, you know, we are human beings and we have a range of emotions. And the more that we try to tell ourselves that what we're feeling is bad and we shouldn't or what have you, that only intensifies whatever feeling is there. And so can we just have some grace and some love for not just the good, what we consider the good feelings or the acceptable feelings socially, but for the ones that are harder to talk about that make us feel kind of ugly on the inside. And, you know, there's nothing to feel ugly about. It's like lean into that discomfort because it's usually those pieces, those parts of ourselves, you know, that, that are coming from that space that need the most love and attention. And when people are feeling envious, it's because there's something that's missing for them and something that's gotten triggered. And I like to just, uh, you know, help us honor that a little bit more gently. It's so easy. I think, especially with envy, we're, we taught, we have, we're taught, we have these ideas that envy is just such a negative thing to feel and that we shouldn't be jealous of other people. We shouldn't envy them. We should be supportive. We like all of those should be's like you were just talking about. And I love that you help normalize that feeling so that it doesn't have to be shoved down, but it can be acknowledged and worked through and, and, that women can know that it's normal for them if they feel that way. So thank you so much for sharing that because I just think that that is so, that's so impactful and that, and there doesn't have to be shame that's carried along with that emotion, which is really liberating <laughs> once you realize that. Yes, definitely, definitely. So as we're talking about infertility, as we're talking about thriving with infertility and on that journey 
what are things that women who are on that journey can do to continue to thrive while even in the midst of the stress of infertility? I love this question because I think there's so many ways that women can thrive in the face of infertility and in the face of grief. And, you know, and I think it's important to write these steps down or, well, it's actually just maybe one. It's remember who you are before this journey started. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Can you give them doctor's orders to like write that down? Cause they're gonna listen to you more <laughs> than me. <laughs> I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. And I want you to write down also, what were you doing, you know, that made you you before this journey started. So, you know, like, I'm, I love to read, I love to salsa dance, and I love riding motorcycles. It's like, those are the things that I did before this fertility stuff happened. And this grief stuff happened for me personally. So, you know, I made you know, I, I was very intentional about staying connected to, you know, activities, people, experiences that made me feel like me because this journey can take you away from yourself. But this is the way to help you keep you tethered to that, that part of your identity that wasn't defined by infertility or grief. So write it down, paste it wherever you need to, make it your screensaver just so you know, on your phone. So when you yeah. want, like, you know, you know, get on your phone, you can see that but it's remember who you are before this all started that is so good and it's the easiest thing to forget i mean that was one of the hardest questions i had to ask myself was who even am i who even am i anymore and that guidance right there is so that's so good um okay before we end here what is the one final thing that you want to tell the woman who's listening who is going through infertility right now? I think the one thing I would like to tell anyone, the woman who's going through this, is that your infertility struggles do not define you. You know, how you handle your struggles does. So you are more than infertility. You are more than infertility. You are stronger than you think. You're more resilient than you know. And, and it's remembering who you are. So good. Thank you. Can you tell everyone where to come find you? And something that I love that I had checked out too is that Dr. Johnson has a lot of resources for you. Um, she even has a free self-care guide that I love. So where can these women listening come and find you online? Yes. So you can find me hanging out on Instagram at Dr. Lori Johnson, D-R-L-O-R-E-E -E, uh, Johnson. And I do have a free self-care guide that I think is just a great tool to, help, you know, that's more of a reference point. Um, it's just foundational to kind of help you remember the basics, which, you know, are, I think are easy to, to forget. And you can also find me on my website at drlorijohnson.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Facebook as well, but not as much, but between Instagram and my website, you'll definitely find me there. And we'll have all of her links in the show notes below also. So you can, if you forgot or didn't know how to spell it or whatever, you can just go click um, below and go find her online. Doctor, thank you so much for being here with us today. That was just, that was just so good. And I feel like everything that you just talked about 
feel so tangible and accessible and not overwhelming. And that just gets me so excited because there's so many ways to keep moving forward. There's so many tools out there to help all of us continue to remember who we are and to continue to thrive even when things get hard. So thank you so much for imparting all your wisdom uh, here with us today. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you for, for having me and uh, for, you know, sharing your, your platform and helping other women thrive. I love it when I see women supporting women and helping other women thrive. So I just want to say keep thriving, ladies. Keep thriving. I love it. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley K. Lemieux so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.